that is 1000 uh, UTC. Uh, let me just give a brief introduction why we are doing this session, what is the importance of dangerous goods transport information uh, in dangerous goods declaration. By the time, uh, other registered people will be joining in. Uh, <clears throat> this session is about dangerous goods document for transport by sea. We will be talking maximum about sea transport under IMTG code. Of course, uh, most of the transport happens in multimodal uh, mode. We will be discussing about other modes of uh, transport regulations and uh, some related information. Uh, these days, most of the goods uh, goes inside shipping containers, that is a 20 foot or 40 foot box containers, be it a general purpose box container or a reefer container. Nobody sees what is inside the box. Everybody relies upon, uh, I hope my voice is clear now. Uh, everyone relies upon the information provided in dangerous goods declaration given by the shipper. Can someone let me know on the chat uh, whether it is clear or not? Yeah, thank you. So it is very important for the shippers to provide clear, precise, and accurate information in the dangerous goods declaration. Basis of those declarations, the ocean carrier will prepare all other related uh, documents, that is the load list, etc. I have kept everyone on mute to avoid the echo back. Anybody having any question, they can chat, uh, type in the chat function towards the end of session. I will try to reply to all questions. So that is the importance of dangerous goods declaration. Now, let's proceed on to the in-depth into this topic. Before going into dangerous goods declaration, we all know that IMDG code is the mandatory regulation for transport of dangerous goods by sea. Also, there is one code called CTU code, that is Cargo Transport Unit Code, uh, which is not a mandatory regulation, but that is a guidelines for packing and of uh, cargo into the cargo transport unit. Cargo transport unit means a shipping container, a rail wagon, or a road vehicle. In the recent past and well beyond the recent past also, many accidents has happened out at sea, uh, which, which was mostly related to dangerous goods. We are talking only about dangerous goods now. Some of which was misdeclared or undeclared and some of which was correctly declared, but the cargo was not properly packed or secured inside the container. And uh, some, even after all these things, may end up in accidents. So these accidents may result in people losing their lives and millions of worth of property, millions of dollars worth of property, as well as it may have, uh, you know, consequences of environmental pollution. This is the Casualty incident report submitted to International Maritime Organization two years ago by the member countries. Uh, there are various uh, non-compliance to IMDG code like marking, labeling, placarding, securing of cargo inside containers, etc. So out of the X number of containers which had defects or non-compliance, approximately 2% of those containers had defects or non uh, shortfall in dangerous goods declaration also. Dangerous goods declaration is very, very important because that carries the vital information throughout the transport chain. Another issue faced by the container lines these days is misdeclared or undeclared dangerous goods. When we say misdeclared, the declaration is incorrect or it is not complete. Undeclared means the dangerous goods is not declared at all. It is offered as general cargo. Last year, we did a survey in that approximately 67% attendees pointed out misdeclaration and undeclared non-declaration is because of ignorance of IMDG code by the users. And approximately 33% of the attendees mentioned that it is willful default or deliberately the shippers are misdeclaring for whatsoever commercial reasons they may be having. There are a lot of risk involved in transport of dangerous goods. Some of the risks 
I have listed down here. We cannot list down all the risks. Some of the most uh, terrifying risks I have listed down, like explosion, fire, acid burns, exposure to toxic chemicals, even death. There are direct and indirect risks. That is, direct risk is opposed to people's lives and properties, and environment and vessel and other cargo. Indirect risk can be claims and bad publicity. Now, before going into the dangerous goods declaration and the importance of that, let's understand which type of ships are uh, authorized to carry dangerous goods or which type of ships can carry dangerous goods. There is a convention of IMO, International Maritime Organization, which is called SOLAS, Safety of Life at Sea Convention. Safety of Life at Sea Convention says that any ship which is supposed to carry dangerous goods in package form must have a document of compliance. That document of compliance authorizes which cargo hold of the ship or whether the coffee ship can carry which classes of dangerous goods. So if the document of compliance does not permit a particular ship's cargo hold to carry a particular class of dangerous goods, that ship cannot carry that dangerous goods. So I just listed down some information of document of compliance to understand the importance of dangerous goods declaration. This is a layout of a ship. You can see CH1, CH2, CH3 like that. That is a cargo holds in which the containers will be loaded. And of course, on deck is the weather deck, which is exposed to the weather. So a typical document of compliance will list down the cargo holds, that is a cargo spaces. In this document of compliance, there are seven cargo holds, then weather deck one and two, that is on deck. So wherever this letter P or symbol P is listed, those cargo holds are permitted to carry that particular class of dangerous goods. Now, if you look at class 2.3 flammable and non-flammable 2.3 gases, it is allowed only on the weather deck one and two. Similarly, flammable liquids of below and above 23 degree flash point, certain cargo holds are authorized to carry that, certain cargo holds are not authorized to carry that. So all this information, the carrier gets from the shipper's declaration. So that is one of the most important point that uh, shipper has to declare the cargo correctly. How do the carriers get the information about dangerous goods? Very simple, it is from the shipper's declaration. Shippers dangerous goods declaration provide the carrier the basic information of dangerous goods, basis of which the carrier will prepare the load list or manifest. IMDG code says every consigner who offers dangerous goods for transport must give to the carrier information applicable to those dangerous goods and any other information and documentation as required by IMDG code. So it is mandatory for the consigners to provide dangerous goods information to the carrier before loading onto the ship. Further, the code says, carrier must not accept dangerous goods unless a copy of dangerous goods declaration is received and other related documents, or it is provided in an electronic form. It can be a physical declaration or an electronic copy. And this information, must accompany the dangerous goods till the final destination and it must be given to the consignee before opening the before consignee opens the container. We all know about the common layout of the dangerous goods declaration, how it looks like and there are 22 boxes, etc. So we will go through roughly we will go through each of those uh, fields of dangerous goods declaration, understand the importance of that and what must be filled in what must not be filled in or what additional information may be required. This is box number 1 to 14. Uh, you all must be familiar with this. So we will go through this box number 1 to 14, how it is and 15 to 22 also. This is half of the dangerous food situation. I have made it into fit it to the screen size. This is up to box number 14. Then it is box number 15 up to 22 where the shipper has to uh, fill it and place his or her signature. Now, let's look at box number 1 to 13. Uh, this is very easy. We don't have uh, require much training to understand these things. Box number 1 is shipper, that is shipper's company name, address, etc. Number 2 is a transport document number. These days it is the booking number assigned by the carrier. Box number 3 is the page number. IMDG code requires page numbers to be 
uh, is mentioned consecutively. That means if there are three pages, the first page was displayed page one of three, second page, page two of three, and third page, page three of three. If it is a single page, it must be mentioned page one of one. Shippers and freight forwarders reference, if shipper and freight forwarder have their own booking reference or shipment reference, they can fill in. Num uh, that is four and five. Number six, consignee, that is a consignee's name and address. Number seven is carrier, wherever, whichever, MERS line, Hapagloid, MSC, one line, whatever it is. Number eight is applicable only for air transport. Now, mind you, this format is a recommended format by IMVG code. When you go to air transport, IATA may have their own specified format. So let's skip that number eight. Number nine is additional handling information, wherein shipper may write any other information like protected from sunlight, protect from heat, keep the cargo dry or cool, all those type of information. Number 10, 11, 12, 13, that is a vessel voyage number, port of loading, port of discharge, and final destination. Now comes box number 14. Box number 14 is the mandatory most crucial information which must contain dangerous goods description as well as number and kind of packages and all other additional information which must supplement the dangerous goods description. So let us look at uh, what must be the information required in box number 14. Box number 14 IMDG codes says the dangerous goods description must be in the same sequence that is UN number, proper shipping name, class, subsidiary assault, packing group. It must be in the same sequence if the sequence must not be interchanged. And whenever technical name is required, it must be within brackets after proper shipping name. It is very easy for us to remember this because IMDG code dangerous goods list column number one to five. That is a dangerous goods description. UN number, proper shipping name, class, subsidiary assault, packing group. This must be mentioned in the dangerous goods declaration in the same order. It, the order must not change. And special portions in column six may require additional information, may dispense certain additional informations uh, and those type of things. Now let's look at one dangerous goods description in the same order. Now, this is one dangerous goods description in the same order. Some of you may not be able to read this because of different language. To be very frank, I myself cannot read that. This is the same thing in English. The first one is in Marathi. The third one is in Chinese. The fourth one is in Spanish. And the fifth one is in Japanese. All of them are the same UN number, same clause, etc., etc. IMDG code does not ask for a specific language for dangerous goods declaration. Of course, the most of the carriers insist for dangerous goods declaration in English. Even if it is in any other language, the beauty of IMDG code is any language person, if they see the dangerous goods declaration, they can identify the four-digit UN number and the packing group. Packing group has to be in Roman numerals. So by identifying the four-digit UN number and packing group, the person can open IMDG code or any emergency response guidebook in their own language and initiate emergency response in case if there is a fire, spillage, or any other related emergency. The uh, purpose of dangerous goods declaration is to convey uh, the information for use in emergency. That is why even if it is any other language, we can still follow the IMDG code and you know find the information. So that is the importance of maintaining the sequence. Then what other information must supplement the proper shipping name? There are so many informations which must supplement the proper shipping name as required by the specific cargo. Like technical name, if there is special portion 274 and 318, technical name must supplement the proper shipping name. If empty unclean packagings are going, after the dangerous goods description, shipper must mention words empty, unclean, or residue last contained. If it is a waste cargo, the word waste must precede the proper shipping name. That means if it is, say, UN number 1263 paint, which is transported as a waste, then it must be mentioned UN number 1263 waste paint. 
elevated temperature, marine pollutant, flash point. So supposing you put cargo, liquid cargo above 100 degrees or solid cargo above 240 degrees, transport in an elevated temperature case, in that case, the word hot has to precede proper shipping name. If the cargo is marine pollutant, after that dangerous push description, that is UN number, proper shipping name, class, subsidiary search, and packing group, shipper must mention the word marine pollutant or marine pollutant environmentally hazardous. If the cargo is class three flammable liquid, having a flash point at or below 60 degrees Celsius, then shipper must mention flash, minimum flash point in Celsius closed stock method. Quantity. IMPG code says, after this dangerous push description, shipper must mention number and kind of packaging and volume or mass, total volume or mass as appropriate. For class one explosives, it is net explosive content, the quantity, salvage packing and estimate of the quantity, empty tanks, there is no need of quantity to be mentioned. All other cargo, it must be the gross mass or the volume in liters. This is an example, UN number, proper shipping name, technical name within bracket, class 6.1, packing group 3, this is a marine pollutant, so the word marine pollutant, number and kind of packaging, that is say 80 drums, then 16,400 kilograms, that is the mass of the cargo. Now when we say mass of the cargo, mass of containers and tanks used for dangerous goods transport is not included in the gross mass. Then other related information and documents required. If the shipment is in limited quantity, add the word limited quantity or LTD QTY. If it is in accepted quantities, add the words dangerous goods in accepted quantities. If it is salvage packing, of course, salvage packing require competent authority approval. If, if the shipment is in, in salvage packing, mention salvage packing or salvage pressure receptacle. Temperature control, if it is organic peroxide or self-reactive substances under temperature control, control and emergency temperature. Similarly, temperature control of uh, polymerizing substances, again, control and emergency temperature. Organic peroxides and self-reactive substances, which must bear a class one explosive subsidiary assault label. If the competent authority has dispensed the requirement of the label, that must be mentioned in the dangerous goods declaration. Similarly, organic peroxides and self-reactive substances, which are transported under exclusive the approval of competent authority, mention that uh, information in the dangerous goods declaration and attach the competent authority approval together with the dangerous goods declaration. So that becomes an additional document. Infectious substances, full address of the consignee and name of the responsible person and his or her telephone number must be available on the dangerous goods declaration. Aerosols, that is deodorants, uh, insecticide sprays and cleaning sprays, etc. Aerosols. If each of the aerosol cans capacity is above 1000 milliliter, that is above one liter, this must be mentioned in the dangerous goods transport uh, document that UN number 1950 aerosols above one liter or 1.5 liters, 1.2 liters, whatever is the information. Because if aerosols are less than one liter, there is a different segregation rule. Above one liter, there is a different segregation rule inside container as well as container to container on board ship. So that information the carrier will get only if the shipper mentions if the capacity is greater than one liter. Viscous substances, there is some exemptions for viscous substances transporting IMDG code. If the viscosity meets the IMDG code requirements, then the viscous substances uh, may not require United Nations performance-oriented packaging, marking, labeling, etc. So if viscous substances are transported under those ex exemptions, then the dangerous goods declaration must mention transport in accordance with 2325 of IMDG code. That is a package of the IMDG code. Segregation. There are 18 segregation groups in IMDG code from uh, acids, ammonium hormones, bromates, chromates, chlorates, chlorides, etc., etc., up to alkalis. So, if a cargo, UN number is not falling within those segregation groups, 
and its keeper is assigned the segregation group group on basis of his or her knowledge then shipper must mention that in the dangerous food situation imdg code segregation group and the name you know group 1 acid or group 18 alkalis like that then only carrier will come to know that this container has to be segregated from other containers on board there are certain exemptions given in the imdg code that even though the segregation table table does not allow uh, x number of cargoes certain cargoes falling within that tables can be loaded together in the same container if such a consignment is offered shipper must mention that in the dangerous food situation this transport is according to such and such paragraph of imdg code same thing with acids and alkali acids and alkali are not supposed to be transported in the same container but there is an exemption given to packing group 2 and 3 acids and alkali if they do not dangerously react with each other if according to that section shipper is offering the mixed loading of mixed loaded acids and alkali in a container shipper must mention that in the dangerous food situation then only others in the transport of chain will come to know this consolidation is meeting the requirement of imdg code bulk container when other than freight containers bulk container solid cargoes are filled inside a bulk container shipper must mention that in the dangerous food situation bulk container what is the type of bk1 bk2 etc approved by the competent authority of which country that must be mentioned in the dangerous food situation transport of date of after date of expiry intermediate bulk containers and portable tanks which are supposed to go periodic inspection and test every 2 and 1/2 and 5 years if that is being transported after the date, date of expiry according to imdg code depending on whether it is ibc or tank that information must be provided in the dangerous food situation that transport is in accordance with whichever paragraph applicable to imdg code fireworks if fireworks is being transported apart from the dangerous food description number and kind of packages and net explosive content uh, quantity shipper must also mention the classification reference number issued by the competent authority of the country involved if shipper is transporting under the classification with new data available over and above imdg code's current classification criteria then that must be in accordance with the competent authority approval and that must be mentioned in the i am uh, dangerous food situation that classified in accordance with this 2.0.02 of imdg code that is classification when new data is available for an existing entry of imdg code engines when uh, internal combustion engines are transported in accordance with special portion 363 that must be mentioned in the transport document This is an example of dangerous food description which I have lifted from the IMDG code itself, so there will be no confusion. Here we can see that five elements, that is dangerous food description. Uh, number one, UN number. Number two, proper shipping name, allyl alcohol. Number three, class six point one. Number four, subsidiary assert. Subsidiary assert must be always within brackets. And number five, packing group. After that, five uh, elements of dangerous food description. All other things will come, like trash point, marine pollutant, etc. If technical name is required, technical name must be immediately after the proper shipping name. Additional information. Whatever additional information is provided by the shipper, that additional information must not be divert attention from the. information provided the dangerous goods information also it must not contradict the safety information further imdg code says duplicate of information already provided is prohibited uh, uh, we see sometimes certain dangerous goods declaration like uh, cargo sulfuric acid proper shipping name sulfuric acid technical name sulfuric acid so that means sulfuric acid is repeated three times that is prohibited by imdg code we must never duplicate the same information already provided in dangerous goods declaration because duplication of information during an emergency whoever refers the uh, dangerous goods declaration for vital information to deal with the emergency they may waste time reading the duplicated and repeated information in emergency every seconds matter 
So duplication of information is prohibited. If a container is packed with non-dangerous and dangerous goods together, and the shipper decides to include the non-dangerous goods also inside the dangerous goods situation, same dangerous goods situation, then dangerous goods situation, in dangerous goods situation, shipper must list down the dangerous information first, or if the shipper lists down the non-dangerous information, like you know, uh, 10 pallets of garments and children's toys, if that is a non-dangerous cargo, after that is the dangerous goods, then the dangerous goods information must be emphasized. How to emphasize? Either make it bold, underline, or highlight with a color. Or dangerous information must be always in the first in the dangerous goods declaration. Then certain other regulations may require additional information in dangerous goods declaration, like 49 CFR, Code of Federal Regulation, Title Number 49 in the US. If a cargo is going in or out of US, which is in accordance with the IMDG Code. I just put down two examples like reportable quantity. If the cargo falls under the reportable quantity of 49 CFR, the letters RQ must be placed before the proper shipping name, before the description. So before the UN number, proper shipping name, everything is mentioned, letters RQ must be mentioned. Similarly, if the cargo falls under the poison inflation hazard zone of uh, 49 CFR, after the description, Shipper must mention poison inhalation hazard zone A or zone B or zone B, whichever is applicable. Additional document. Apart from dangerous food situation, some additional document may be required as mandatory by IMDG code, like weathering certificate, weathering certificate for fish meal or charcoal or copra, exemption certificate, when some cargoes are exempted from IMDG code because of certain properties of that, that certificate may be required. Competent authority approvals and exemptions. If it is a waste cargo falling under Basel uh, Convention, then Basel waste more movement document will be required. And any other document required as per IMDG code, according to the special portion, certain shipper certifications and letters such as. Safety data sheet and emergency response telephone number. Safety data sheet, IMDG code does not ask for safety data sheet. Only in one line of IMDG code, the code mentions safety data sheet as an option for inf obtaining information during an emergency on board ship. That is the only place IMDG code talks about safety data sheet. But carriers are insisting, may insist for safety data sheet. Nothing stops the shipper from offering the, providing the safety data sheet, whether it is dangerous goods or non-dangerous goods uh, chemicals. Safety data sheet is a requirement according to the uh, GHS and related mandatory regulations in various countries, so shippers can provide that. Emergency contact details and that is name and telephone number, IMDG code again does not ask for this, but some countries such as US, Thailand, Australia, China, etc., even I believe European Union, they require emergency contact telephone number uh, and name in the dangerous food situation. IMDG code does not ask for this. Now, for box number 15 to 22, uh, it is not uh, very complicated. Container identification number or vehicle registration number. If it is a non-containerized, uh, the cargo is being transported in a road vehicle, then the vehicle's registration number. Seal number, I don't have to explain what is the seal number. Then container vehicle size type, tar mass. Tar mass is the empty cargo transport unit's uh, mass and uh, total gross mass. Left hand side container vehicle packing certificate that must be prepared and signed by the person who is in charge of packing the container. Packing the container is securing cargo inside a container. And box number 22 is for the shipper. So you can see the box number 22, it says name of the company of the shipper preparing this note, name and status of the declarant, place and date, and signature of the declarant. Now, this date can be the date of preparation of the dangerous goods declaration or the date on which the dangerous food situation is handed over to the first carrier, whichever date. When we say packer, packer is the person who is responsible for securing cargo inside the container. So if the shipper authorizes a consolidator to pack the cargo, 
the consolidator must be filling and signing the danger, uh, packing certificate. This is called container packing certificate. Now, container packing certificate, IMDG code refer or refers also to CTU code for the responsibility of the packer as well as how to secure the cargo inside the container. So, packer is responsible for securing the cargo, segregation, and marking and placarding of the container. If the shipper is packer himself or herself, then shipper is also responsible for that. The signature, if it is a physical copy, the person has to sign the document. If it is an electronic copy, the signature can be replaced by the name of the person in capital letters, block letters. So electronic copy means a document generated, prepared on a computer, transferred from that computer to another computer through network, not uh, be print out and again scan, scan the copy, scanning a physical copy, that is not electronic document. Electronic document, the signature can be replaced by the name of the person in capital letters. When the shipper signs the declaration, this is what shipper signs for. That uh, declare that the contents are fully and accurately described below by the proper shipping name and are classified, packaged, marked, labeled, cut-carded in respect of all conditions for transport according to international and national governmental regulations. So, International regulation is the IMDG code. National regulation is through which countries the cargo is, you know, transported or it is destined to. This, this certification must be signed and dated by the consigner. Consigner is as you can under shipper. Packer has to sign for this declaration that the goods described above are being packed, loaded inside the container in accordance with the applicable portion. So packer's signature will guarantee that there is no violation for the segregation rules and it is meeting all other requirements of IMDG code, including the marking of fumigated containers, etc., and distribution of the bulk solid loads onto the container floors, keeping the drums upright when using carbon dioxide as a coolant, those warning signs and declarations, all those things comes under Packer's responsibility. There is great lot of interest and questions always coming on this non-hazardous declaration and letter of indemnity. Many a time when shippers offer non-hazardous chemicals to carriers, carriers may ask the shipper to issue a non-hazardous declaration or give a letter of indemnity. Now, IMDG code does not mention anything about this non-hazardous letter or letter of indemnity. Shippers who are issuing such letters of indemnity or non-hazardous declaration they must be they must ensure that the cargo does not fall under the class under any classification criteria of IMDG code. If we do not have the knowledge of the properties of the cargo, actually it is dangerous goods of say class 6.1, and we offer it as non-hazardous and give a non-hazardous letter and a letter of indemnity. That does not absolve ourselves from the responsibilities which is supposed to be shouldered by us. It is as good as offering a nuclear weapon in a container and giving a letter of indemnity that I hereby indemnify the vessel, master, the crew, and everybody in case, even in case the nuclear weapon wipes out half of the continent. Does it make any sense in court of law? No. So, not as hard as declaration and letter of indemnity is having only the value of a paper as provided it does not violate the provisions of IMDG code. Which documents are required on board a ship? A special list, cargo manifest, or storage plan. Supposing if a vessel is loading from any port, say port of Rotterdam, or port of Shanghai, or port of Bombay, if there are 1,000 dangerous goods containers being loaded on the ship of, say, 500, 600 bookings, that many dangerous goods declarations will be submitted to the carrier. Carrier will prepare the load list or manifest basis of this shipper's declaration. So the master will storage plan is prepared according to the store, uh, dangerous goods declaration information. Master will get the manifest as well as the storage plan. Any emergency on board ship, if a container is burning or if it is leaking, the master will execute the emergency response for fire fighting or spillage control on basis of those information provided by the shipper. So the shipper's dangerous goods declaration is the you know, key document from which all other related safety aspects, even the planning of the vessel, storage planning of the vessel, the information is 
obtained from shippers declaration. This is a layout of a manifest. So if there are hundred shippers declaration, hundred dangerous goods declaration, on basis of hundred declaration, a one document will be made by the vessel's agent from the particular port of loading, and it will be submitted to the master. Master will sign, and the ship's agents also will sign. So that will show the booking number, container number, type of kind and type of what you call packages, proper shipping name, UN number, class, cash point, etc. And which storage position on board? Extreme right hand side box number 17, you can see the storage position. So, supposing if a container is burning, say on deck, if the vessel staff can identify the storage location, they can identify from the manifest which UN number is involved in the fire. Then they look at they can look at the EMS code and initiate the fire response or spillage control measures. So all this information, whether it is a manifest, load list, or storage planning, on deck, under deck, away from living quarters, all these things come from shipper's declaration. How long the shipper and carrier must retain the document? IMDG code says the shippers and carriers must retain a copy of dangerous food situation for a minimum period of three months. So that means if, even if the container is discharged and consignee has taken the possession of cargo, say within one month, still the carrier and the shipper must uh, retain the copy of dangerous food situation for minimum period of three months. What happens if the vessel delays out at sea, like this US canal blockage happened two weeks ago, something like that, and the container is reaching after three months? I'm basically has not mentioned anything like that, but it is very clear that the carrier and the shipper's responsibility it is to be maintained, uh, retained up to the time, such a time the consignee has taken possession of the cargo, even if it is beyond three months. Who can prepare and sign dangerous goods situation? This question keeps coming uh, on various platforms. As per IMDG code, only a person who has received training can prepare and sign the document. And that document says the name and company of the shipper and the person in charge. So that means it is a shipper who must be preparing whichever person uh, at the shipper's uh, company, they must be preparing and signing the document. And IMDG code requires the training. Chapter 1, Chapter 2, Chapter 3, 5, and 7.9 are the mandatory chapters in which those people who prepare and sign the document must be trained in. They must be trained in dangerous food situation, container vehicle, packing certificate, competent authority approvals, special documents, wherever required, if it is required for their own cargo. They don't have to learn about all the special documents, specifically function specific training for their own cargo. We did get a couple of questions uh, posted uh, at the time of registration itself, and some of you have posted some questions on the chat now. I will uh, address those questions posted on the chat after answering the questions what was, uh, uh, you know, what was posted at the time of registration. One of the questions I got was uh, to know the what practices being followed post-COVID era, uh, same as before, whether COVID or plague. Safety is safety. There is nothing exempted from the safety requirement. All marks, labels, placards, dangerous goods declaration, everything is required as it was required even before COVID. Another question what I was I received is that in IATA, there is a requirement, uh, what you call it, there is a provision in IATA which says that. Uh, Forwarder can sign the dangerous goods declaration on behalf of uh, shipper. Now we have uh, uh, Mr. Srini with us. I will request Srini to speak after I complete on the IMDG codes thing. Now IMDG code does not mention anything about third party agreement. IMDG code says the certification shall be signed and dated by the consigner. Consigner is the shipper. So the, this is the box number 22. Srini, if you are there on board, uh, can you please step in and speak on behalf of uh, IATA's uh, requirement? Uh, yes, Shashi, good afternoon to you and ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon to you all. Uh, am I audible to you all? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, perfect. Uh, so, regarding the signatory, first I will start with this. And there are certain other aspects which you are talking on the IMDG part of uh, filling up a declaration. 
and i will just briefly talk about the icao requirement of uh, filling up the dg very minor differences are there okay now regarding this question icao that is the international civil organization they say only the shipper is required to sign the shipper declaration for dangerous goods but iata as a association what they did was they took a dispensation from icao stating that since we are the operators and the airlines we need a leverage to uh, get our people sign the declaration so icao then came with a rule in 1970 uh, 1977 that a shipper may employ a person here the person is defined as any organization such as ayata cargo agent or a freight forwarder or a consolidator being employed by the shipper that means they need the shipper needs to have a contractual agreement with the freight forwarder that the freight forwarder or the cargo agent shall take all the responsibilities of the shipper to uh, classify pack mark label documents either all of them or either one of them it depends on uh, what the shipper wants thank you uh, shipper yep okay another question i received was updated guidelines on imdg code required i do not know exactly what is the question so my answer is refer to the 39 39th amendment which is in force and 40th amendment will come in force from 1st june 2022 uh, i am not very sure what the Uh, you know, person who asked the question meant about that. Another question was hazardous goods declaration. I don't know. I hope I have explained the basic of hazardous goods declaration or dangerous goods declaration and the importance of same. Then there is a question. This is a very interesting question. This is actually most of the freight forwarders and uh, NVOCCs experience these difficulties. The question is whether there is any commonly available repository where safety data sheets can be. access and on basis of that we can decide you know whether it is dangerous goods classes etc whether it is a free platform or subscription based platform uh, i am not very sure about that there is uh, well, with my experience i do not know any such a uh, repository with all the safety data sheets correlating with the transport classification but you can refer to ica website for substance classification under clp regulation of euro Which which will not show the transport classification, but you can get some common information. Also, you can go on to this uh, Cameo Chemicals database. Uh, you can search in the internet Cameo Chemicals database, where you can type the chemical name, substance name, cast number, or the UN number, and get related information of that. But that information may not be the actual information of the shipper's own product, because shipper's own product may be having different uh, impurities. or mixtures or concentration may be different then uh, related to the same question uh, sds information provided the dangerous goods situation mandatory or optional now as i said earlier safety data sheet is not a substitute for dangerous goods situation imdg code does not ask for safety data sheet except for information during emergency as an option carriers may ask for safety data sheet and nothing stops the shipper from providing that because today ghs is approximately most of the 70% of the globe has adopted ghs into their national legislation like clp in uh, euro european union so if we have to place some chemical in the european union market we have to provide a safety data sheet according to the clp regulations so what stops the shipper from providing a safety data sheet if a carrier asks even though imdg code does not make it mandatory This is a very interesting question. Who is responsible if any data typed by mistake on dangerous goods declaration and noticed at the notice the mistake at port of discharge? Now imagine flash point. Flash point if it is below twenty three degrees, specified cargo holds on the ships are certified for flash point below twenty three cargo. So supposing if a uh, product flash point is minus thirty, minus thirty we write with hyphen three zero. So by mistake while typing, if we miss that hyphen, minus thirty will become plus thirty. So the ship operator may load that container in a cargo hold which is not certified for that uh, cargo. And in case if there is any accident, maybe insurance coverage also will not they will not get. Then who will be held responsible for that mistake? 
answer is very simple he or she who signed the dangerous goods stipulation so that is what it is very important who signs the document must ensure that all information provided in the document is correct and full according to IMDG code. What are special documents involved in DG shipment, dangerous goods situation, and any other document as required by Chapter 5.4 of IMDG code or as required by special portion in case if that specific UN number special portion asks for a document like shipper certification for weathering or some classification related, etc. Is the format same for C as it was for R? Now, IMDG code states information required by IMDG code is mandatory. However, the layout of the form is not mandatory. As per IMDG code, even if you pick up a A4 sheet of paper, write down all information by hand and sign, that is also acceptable by IMDG code. Carriers may not accept, that is a different thing. But I am not sure about IATA's thing. I believe IATA requires a red hatch bordered dangerous food situation. I would request Mr. Srini to step in and talk about IATA's format mandatory requirement. Uh, yes, uh, Shashi, uh, the format which you uh, are given with the red hatchet, that is a mandatory requirement. Uh, the standard size is a A4 sheet uh, size paper. And uh, for USA, they may use a A3 also, only from, uh, from USA. All other part of the world, it's a A4 sheet paper. Now, uh, certain things which uh, you were discussing regarding the DG format. The DG format was a multimodal format till 1987. For AIR also, it was the same. Only uh, requirement was uh, you had to type all the requirements of air transport has to be met. When you see the statement at the bottom of the uh, declaration, that statement was to be signed if it was an air transport. Then, in the additional handling information, now coming to additional handling information for air transports, ICAO requires only if there is a state variation or operator variation which states that the emergency uh, number must be given, a 24-hour number must be given, then it must be given on the additional handling information. If it is a firework shipment being traveled, even if it's a 1.4S, then it must be mentioned on the additional handling information. For any self-reactive substance, uh, for example, UN uh, 3226 self-reactive substance type D or uh, type C, it must be mentioned that keep away from heat and all sources of uh, keep away from direct sunlight and all sources of heat in the ventilated areas. All those uh, uh, for infectious substance, the name and telephone number of a responsible person, same in uh, IMDG code. Then in authorization column, there are certain articles or substances which are forbidden in a passenger aircraft. But if it needs to be carried on a passenger aircraft, then there's an authorization uh, special provision A1, which is given. The uh, competent authority may give an exemption to carry that uh, substance in the passenger aircraft. So that A1 approval number must be mentioned in the authorization column. If it is forbidden in a cargo freighter also, A2 provision is given the competent authority may grant an exemption and give an approval to carry that substance in the freighter. So that A2 approval number must be mentioned on the authorization column of the shipper declaration for dangerous Third thing, language. ICAO mandates English uh, language to be uh, mandatory on the shipper declaration for dangerous goods. The only requirement other than this is any other language as required by the country of origin, like uh, Latin, America, Latin American countries, Spain, etc. A declaration in Spanish, which is accurate translation of English, must accompany the shipment. English is mandatory, but the regulators in the uh, in Spain, Brazil, Argentina, etc., they require their language to be. Uh, put on the shipper declaration for dangerous goods. Fourth is class and subsidiary hazards. 
now in the IMDG code, uh, when Sashi was uh, showing you that declaration, you had two columns, one for the class and one for the subsidiary hazard. For air transport, you write the primary hazard and within brackets, you write the subsidiary hazard. Uh, that's no separate column for that. Uh, then coming to salvage. Uh, in air transport, we don't require a competent authority approval for uh, carrying in a salvage. Only when something gets damaged or leaked, it must be reported to the regulator and must be mentioned that it is going in a salvage. Then viscous substance. Now viscous substance, air says if there's any, uh, let's say paint in packing group two, UN1263. Now, there's a criteria where you have a jet diameter, a funnel. I don't know whether that uh, diagram is in the IMDG code. In IATA, yes, it is there. If there's a jet diameter and a flow time in seconds takes less than one minute or more than one minute, you can confine it into packing group three. That is, in the declaration, it will be packing group two as given in the list of dangerous goods. But the package which you are using can be of packing group three. You may use, it's not a mandatory requirement, but the shipper may use a packing group three. But the declaration will go as is given in the list of dangerous Then next comes to pollutant. There's no requirement by ICAO or IATA for pollutants. If it's an environmentally hazardous substance, uh, we can find it to UN 3077 or 3082, uh, whatever consignment it is, class 9. Then DG being carried with a non-dangerous good. Now, non-dangerous goods need not, uh, it's not required to be on the shipper declaration. But when we, uh, when the freight forwarder makes an airway bill, now the airway bill, uh, let's say you have 10 packages. Out of 10 packages, five are uh, non-dangerous goods, five are dangerous goods. In the handling information, you mentioned five packages, dangerous goods as per shipper declaration, uh, as per attached shipper declaration. That means five packages out of 10 are dangerous goods. That's the only requirement. On the DGD, nothing is required. Then coming to 49 CFR, what Shashi was talking about, IATA does not, uh, ICAO does not mandate 49 CFR. Any shipment from USA to USA over USA by air, we only consider ICAO. Even in 49 CFR, there's a paragraph which uh, very clearly states that for air shipments, uh, it must be uh, it must be as per the latest ICO technical inspection for safe transport of dangerous goods. Then who declares the shipper's declaration? That I already answered you. It it must be the shipper or the freight forwarder or consolidator or the cargo IATA cargo agent. Not all cargo agents. IATA approved cargo agents who have undergone a training as per table 1.5 of the IATA dangerous goods shall sign the declaration. Uh, Sashi, that's it from me. I answered all your questions. Thank you, Shady. Thank you very much uh, for contributing about the knowledge uh, about air transport. Uh, thank you very much. You're a veteran in that. Yeah, a pleasure is mine. Yeah. Uh, now, CD uh, has just explained the you know basic difference of air uh, dangerous goods declaration. IATA requires these red patch borders, etc. Now, remember, this IATA's dangerous goods format cannot be used for sea transport because this format does not have a container vehicle packing certificate. Now, packing certificate is one important thing of sea transport whenever we are using other than tank containers. So, let's uh, go to the next question. Procedure to export commodity magnets. This got nothing to do with dangerous goods declaration. Anyway, let me answer. Magnet is not dangerous goods for sea transport. It is a non-hazardous cargo. But uh, just for enhancing the understanding of this cargo, container operators may not permit magnets in live or non-operating reefers. And magnets packed in a normal container may not be loaded next to a reefer on board ship because this magnetic flux may permanently damage the sensitive equipments of reefer containers. Otherwise, magnet is not dangerous for sea transport. 
how DCT works, dangerous food circulation works, and what are the important points while filling it? I believe I have answered all those points. Why we need to take reapproval if the cargo weight exceeds to a given weight at the time of booking request? Now you see, the, in the shipping industry, the, these days everything works in the softwares and uh, booking system software, whatever we call. So when we place an initial booking request and shipping line releases the empty equipment, shipper packs the container, then the actual dangerous food circulation may have quantity variation either by gross mass or by number of packages or kind of packages. That must be amended and informed to the carrier because carrier does not look at the DGD and prepare the manifest. The load list and manifest is pulled out from the booking software. So whatever initial booking request or the amended booking request must match the exact information in the dangerous food situation. That is why when there is an amendment in the booking, like number and kind of packages or gross mass or net mass, the booking will open in the software of the carrier. Carrier has to again reapprove it. Otherwise, it will not get included in the load list. That is an operational reason. Then somebody asked, how can I join this webinar? I hope you have already joined by clicking the invitation that I cannot answer how to join that a bit further. Now, uh, just for your benefit uh, for all the attendees, some of you might have visited my website in the past. My website is my name only, shashikarada.com. Uh, there is a knowledge center and help desk. If you browse through the knowledge center, I have written more than 600 or 630 or 640, I reached now, articles explainable on classification, marking, labeling, packaging, containers, tanks, reefers, onboard storage, emergency response, firefighting, accidents, all these things. So, and there are certain guides also for you know preparing dangerous food situation, segregation inside containers, all those type of things are available there. So you can utilize this information freely. But always remember your conclusion must be always based on the latest IMDG code. Tomorrow, if something goes wrong, you cannot tell that Shashi's website said that I will wash my hands. That is a different thing. Anyway, now you can post your questions. Many of you have already posted your, some of the questions. So let me read out the question and answer one by one. One of the questions is, is it necessary to mention prevention and precautionary statements on packages? I believe the question is talking about precautionary and hazard statements as required by CLP or GHS. Yes, it is required on every package which falls under that GHS criteria. GHS label uh, is having six or seven elements. That is GHS pictogram, signal word, hazard statement, precautionary statement, substance identification, and supplier information, six. So that must be there on the packages. Next question is, what kind of precaution we need to take while packing, stuffing dangerous goods into a container on behalf of a shipper? I believe this question is raised by somebody who is involved in consolidation or LCL operation. If a shipper offers only single shipper's cargo, single UN number or multiple UN number, if the IMDG code chapter 5.4 mentions the container packer's responsibility, one of the responsibilities, of course, all drums are kept upright. If it is bulk cargo, it is spread on the floor evenly. All packages are tested and certified as well as bearing the marks and labels. Segregation rules are not violated. If the container is being fumigated, fumigation mark is warning sign is displayed on the doors of the container. Also, it refers to the CTU code. So I believe you all are aware about CTU code. If you get access to the CTU code, that gives the guidance for packing of container. There is one question. What if there is a discrepancy in packing group? IMDG code says packing group 3. MSBS shows packing group 2. Now, IMDC code, there are, there are certain UN numbers repeated more than once, like two times or three times, like packing group one, packing group two, packing group three, like that. Packing group indicates level of danger. So, depending on the class, whether it is class three or 6.1, there are different criteria for packing group. So, whatever is the safety data sheet classified according to IMDG code, look at that entry IMDG code and follow that. Another question is hazardous surcharge is basis on the class or UN number. It is a combination of one or both, like uh, class 5.1, hair colors are class 5.1, 
Hasada surcharge may be only hundred dollars. Ammonium nitrate is also class 5.1, where Hasada surcharge may be thousand dollars. So it, it is a combination of you know uh, nature of hazard as well as the degree of hazard involved and the complication of the particular UL number. Then I got another question: What to do when flash point exceeds IMDG uh, code limit? For class three flammable liquid, flash point upper limit is sixty degrees. But there are certain class eight or six point one which subsidiary subsidiary risk uh, uh, or subsidiary hazard uh, three. Wherein the flash point may exceed that, like formic acid. Formic acid is the best example. The concentrated formic acid flash point may be above 60 degrees, but we have to declare that under class 8 and subsidiary assault 3. So that is acceptable. Is it necessary to declare perfumery cargo as dangerous goods under 1266? Perfumery cargo, if it is a flammable liquid having a flash point below 60 degrees Celsius, it is mandatory to declare. Okay, uh, is it necessary to mention prevention and uh, precautions taken on the packages? I have already answered. Is it wise to move dangerous and non-dangerous cargo together in the same container? Uh, there is nothing wrong in that. IMDG code states, whenever non-dangerous goods are loaded in the same container, it is the shipper packer, shipper's responsibility who are offering that to ensure that the non-dangerous chemicals are compatible with the dangerous goods. It will not dangerously react with the dangerous goods. So in case if the non-dangerous chemicals may have the, uh, what you call, properties to dangerously react with the dangerous goods, then it is not permitted. Somebody said, uh, okay, Hiren, you are on a call. Yes, I will answer to your question again. Now, Vegetable oil is non-dangerous goods. Now, can we ship vegetable oil together with dangerous goods? There are certain dangerous goods in IMDG code, which specifically states must be stored separated from vegetable oil. In that case, we cannot ship them together. So that is all uh, we have to refer IMDG code, as well as the properties of the non-dangerous goods, chemicals or whatever cargo, then decide whether it is permitted to be loaded together or not. Okay, I'm repeating that prevention and precautionary statements on the packages. IMTC code does not require hazard statements and precautionary statements on the packages. It is required as per GHS, which is adopted in European Union as per CLP or under CLP or say US under OSHA. So CLP requires every package to display six elements on the GHS label. That is uh, substance identification, GHS pictogram, signal word danger or warning, hazard statement, precautionary statement, and supplier details. So this is mandatory to be displayed on the package. Now that package, if it is dangerous goods, it will also require the IMDG code label, proper shipping name, all these type of things. Electronic vehicle contain lithium battery. Yes, yes, lithium battery uh, powered vehicles are dangerous goods. Yes, LCL dangerous goods, uh, Asada's cargo LCL is being transported. Uh, that is uh, what you call, uh, provided that, uh, you know, it meets the segregation, compatibility, all those criteria. LCL dangerous goods is uh, permitted. Is black pepper oil uh, dangerous goods? Uh, most of the pepper oils are dangerous goods. It all depends upon the concentration. Okay, about this uh, question, whatever questions you have typed in so far, I believe I have answered all. If I have not missed anything, throw in the chat. I will do one thing, all of you who have attended this, uh, after this session, I will mail you all these questions and answers. Empty cylinders are dangerous goods provided it is purged by air. So if it is, if you purge the cylinders by air and it does not have any more pressure, more than 200 uh, kilopascals, then it is non-dangerous goods. If it is not purged and containing the flammable or toxic gas, then it is still dangerous goods. I hope uh, this session did highlight the importance of dangerous goods situation. 
why dangerous food situation is required and if something is missing or incorrect in the dangerous food situation what may be the consequences most of the time the consequences are on board ship where the seafarers that is officers and crew on board ship they lose their lives or limbs or limbs because of somebody's typing mistake or somebody's lack of knowledge or ignorance or uninterest in the topic hydraulic oil is not dangerous goods I did I answer that question about whether hazardous surcharges are applicable on the cost or UN number? It's a combination of that. Environmentally hazardous substance, yes, the UN number must be mentioned and further the word marine pollutant. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for attending this session. I hope, uh, I'm not telling, I hope you enjoyed the session. It's all about dangerous goods. I hope you got some information. And you understood the basic uh, importance of this uh, dangerous goods declaration. Uh, I will uh, try to, uh, you know, uh, what you call capture all the questions what you posted on the chat, uh, make it a meaningful question, and try to answer with uh, re reference to the IMC code, which may be helpful to you in future. Srinivasan, do you have anything to add? Uh, I just uh, added one thing on the chat I wrote. Magnetized material, as you said, is not uh, considered to be DG in the sea transport. But for air transport, it uh, it is class 9, uh, packing section 951. And uh, it is the only dangerous goods uh, which is loaded in the aft hold of the aircraft under the tail. All other dangerous goods must be in the forward hold, either in compartment 1 or compartment 2. Okay, I just saw your message on that. I am uh, copying that and posting it to everyone for the benefit of all. Yes. So that's it uh, from my side. Uh, where do we get IMDG code updated? IMDG code version. Okay, I will share with you the IMOs authorized distributors also in my follow up mail to all of you. So from there, you can uh, get. Uh, can purchase the latest IMDG code. Yes, I will share the this presentation also, so you can utilize this presentation for future reference as well as for educating uh, your colleagues or contemporaries in your organization or in the industry. That's it from my side. Thank you very much for joining. I held you up on a Friday busy day. Uh, thanks very much. Take care, stay safe, and have a nice weekend. Yeah, thank you, Sashi. Thanks, Srini, for joining. Take care. Pleasure is mine. Thank you very much, indeed. Yeah. Bye bye.